T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Mike Max, Dave Mona, Sid Hartman, and one of our frequent guests. We love his insights into hockey and beyond, Brian Lawton. And Brian, uh, you know, this has been an interesting week for the Minnesota Wild. They won at Buffalo uh, fairly convincingly, and they beat a very good Colorado team, and then they at least got a point uh, uh, yesterday. And yet it's hard to tell if they're trending or if it's an aberration. From where you sit at NHL headquarters and beyond, what, what do you see this last week? And, and, and when you look at it, do you say, hey, this is a team that's got to go for the playoffs? Or how do you assess them? Uh, well, if I look from the start till this point, Mike, I, I had a discussion recently with one of the management for the Wild. And I said, look, you guys are going to play better. If you do nothing, you will play better than your start. The schedule's been horrific. Uh, teams played below the rate that they should play at. It just will happen organically. That's the NHL. We're seeing this with everybody. You know, they beat Buffalo. Buffalo started off great. And then, of course, they're playing a little bit closer to their level now. Uh, Toronto, they just changed their coach. They win their last two games, but they had gone through a stretch where they just played so far below their level. You know, they play better regardless. Um, Minnesota Wild, they will play better than they have from this point thus far. The question is, Mike, what do you do with them? That's what you're asking. Yeah. Are they a playoff team? And I think they could be, but I don't think they are unless they're willing to make some changes over there. And that was obvious to me in the summer. Um, you know, but you got a new general manager and you got to give them time to, to look. But every day that they don't do anything, I think cements their future that they won't be a playoff team this year. And you're looking at a strategy of, you know, potentially, you know, the good news is they played better, Mike. The bad news is they're still in the bottom four teams in the National yeah. Hockey League. Brian, uh, knowing you were going to be on, I formulated a question that I meant to ask you the last time you were on and kicked myself for not doing it. I'm trying to figure out if what happened with St. Louis last year is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Because I think all of a sudden teams who are trying to figure out whether to do something go, well, you know, St. Louis last year in January was the worst team in the league, and they won it all. So, and I think it's paralyzing some people. Yeah, it's a great question, Dave. And you got to really dive into it and come up with at least some foundational beliefs. For me, I believe that the victory by St. Louis was a changing of the guard, so to speak. We had, what, Pittsburgh won three championships in the previous 10 years, Chicago won three, L.A. won two, the Capitals won one, and the Bruins won the other one. That's the 11 years prior to this year, Stanley Cup champions. The St. Louis Blues were different than all of those teams because every single freaking one of them had star elite draft picks from the top five. St. Louis Blues had one player like that. That was Alex Petrangelo, and he was drafted back in 2008. So, you know, as management for the Wild, you've got to take a look at this information and make a determination. Could we be the St. Louis Blues? 
When you look at the last three years, Dave, of actual points earned by the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild prior to this season, they were separated by a half point. I'm not making any of this up. This Hmm. is powerful stuff. You still have to make a determination. Could we be like them? I thought they could be, but they need to make adjustments. They haven't made any yet. And this is about, this, this is worse than I thought they would be personally, but they have played below their average. They will play better, but are they going to be a team that says, well, maybe we'll try to be like Pittsburgh and Chicago and those teams and we'll accumulate some high draft picks? I immediately hit the stop button on that philosophy because we changed the draft lottery rules in 2015. You know, I drafted in 2008 and 2009 with the Lightning, and we got Sam Coase and Hedman. But I knew where we finished. There was very little variance as to the number pick we would have. That's not the case anymore. Now we've opened that lottery up. They didn't like the thought of teams garnering these high players and then going on these runs. So the NHL changed it in 2015. That's the environment. That's why I conclude, sorry for the long-winded answer, you should push the envelope with this team. They're better than you think. You should be aggressively making moves to improve them. Sid's got a question, Sidney. Is uh, Bob Sutter healthy, and is he playing up to his, his uh, stuff? Ryan Suter, he means. Uh, Ryan Suter is an excellent player at 34 years old, though. You have to think that his best days, his prime is behind him but he still continues to be an incredibly effective player. The one thing that concerns me with Ryan Suter is his ice time. He plays too much for me. Um, I think the Wild have a chance to build an elite D, but it won't be super top-heavy. They have a chance to have an elite D based off the quality of the six players, not the one or two players. And that's a little bit different philosophy than what's going on over there, but his minutes have come down a little bit this year. I would never care how many minutes Ryan Suter plays. I would only care about the quality of those minutes. And I would only care about winning. The Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi, the Minnesota Wild paid these players. And they paid them well, as you guys know. $98 million is a lot. Um, once players get paid, there should only be one focus, and that's on winning. Brian, when you look back at the trades made last year, Fiala comes this way, Donato comes this way, um, Coyle obviously leaves, uh, Granlund leaves, etc. Assess those. Have they turned out to be what you thought they'd be? Did anybody get the better end? Um, I'm a Nito Nito Rider fan. I was at the time of the trade. I said it then. Uh, I wasn't obviously crazy about that. I could also understand both sides. You reduce some money. Um, but that one just didn't make sense to me at that time, and it still doesn't make sense to me at this time, even though, to be fair, you know, Needle Rider hasn't played amazing yet for Carolina this season. He did play amazing last season when he got there. In terms of Kevin Fiala, um, you know, Kev, that's a little bit of a swing. That's okay. You've got to absorb some risk. Kevin was an injured player that scored 22 goals in the past. He brings more speed. Uh, For whatever reason, he hasn't scored at the rate that probably the Wild would have hoped he would. In the same time, Michael Granlin, just done okay for the Nashville Predators. He hasn't scored at a very high rate. They did get cheaper. I would say the one thing that 
I would look at and be critical of for the Wild was no reason to pay Kevin Fiala $3 million at this stage on a two-year contract. That surprised me. He was a guy that should have come back on his qualifying offer and proved what his value is because he still hasn't hit that level he was at prior to being injured. And then Donato has been, you know, I like Charlie Coyle. Uh, Ryan is a guy that still has some upside. There needs to be a development plan there. You knew that he wasn't going to be at the level that Charlie was when they made the trade. Now you just see, you just need to see the development in order to feel good about it from a cap situation. They got significantly lower. That's a big benefit for the team. Um, it hasn't been just demonstrably terrible. It hasn't been good by any stretch of the imagination either, though. Hey, is no run in town? <laughs> no run is not in town, Sid, but he will be tomorrow. Yeah, he's going to be there, be tomorrow. Be there yeah. tomorrow, Sid. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How good is your goaltender for the Wild? Which one, right? Yeah, which one? <laughs> Dubnik or Stalock? Yeah, the, the goaltending has been part of the issue. Stalock has played well. Devin Dubnik hasn't played up to the standards that he set for himself. Um, I think that's not all on Devin. I think that's partly on the team. Um, you know, they hadn't played as well as a unit, five men in terms of defensive responsibilities. But uh, the, the Devin is capable of playing better. Alex has played pretty good. I wouldn't say that goaltending is the problem for the Minnesota Wild. Um, I'd say it's more adjustments with their existing personnel. Miko Koivu come back like you thought he would or about where you expect? Uh, Miko's come back probably better than I thought he would, to be honest with you, Mike. Uh, the question becomes at 36 years old, um, you know, is yeah. he going to continue to, you know, he's played a lot of minutes so far. I think he's earned them, but that concerns me if you want to be an elite team, probably wouldn't get those types of minutes um, because of where the Wild are at right now. He has, and he's acquitted himself quite nicely, to be honest with you. I know now it was a pleasure to have you on the air. And for being on the air, we'll get your merge certificate where you get the best taken down. Thank you. Hey, Brian, if I could make a suggestion, give that thing to Noel. Yeah. And, and, and then get Sid and Noel together because he asks that yeah. question every time. Hey, we know it's coming every time. <laughs> I thought I had to give it back to Sid and take him with me. There, there is that, too. Oh, that, yeah, there's that, that part of it, yeah. <laughs> Tim Salem sent me an uh, a, uh, email last week because I posted something about uh, I found a uh, Murray's gift certificate to Luke Longley that yeah, apparently never been online. sent out. Yep. And and Tim Salem said, I, I always thought that was just fictitious, that it was just, I didn't know they actually gave them out because I never got one. Well, it's fictitious that they get sent out, but the certificates <laughs> do, <laughs> yeah. do, do exist. Thanks, Brian. Hey, Brian. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Brian Lott. We're going to open the phone lines up again. We tried it earlier without a great deal of success on this pre-holiday Sunday, but I'm going to give the phone numbers here now. Uh, we're going to have uh, Glenn Mason later in the show. we got a little talk time here. There's some many good things to talk about so if you've got a favorite subject it, it, you know we haven't mentioned the twins for instance and it's the hot stove league there was one deal done during the week we could talk about so you can kind of drive the direction of the next 10 minutes or so if you want to give us a call during the break the number is 651-989-9226 989-9226 you pick the direction and we'll be happy to follow otherwise don't worry we got a lot of things we could talk about you are listening to the sports huddle with sid dave and mike
All right, guys, we're calling an audible here. Dave St. Peter will join us in about 10 minutes, and then Glenn Mason will be on 1140. We'll give Mason a little longer chance to, to get off of his airplane. He always flies back from Chicago on Sunday morning. So we'll talk to him about what happened in the Big Ten yesterday. And then again, Dave St. Peter and Twins Talk about nine minutes from right now. Phone numbers again, if you want to get involved, is 651-989-9226. Mike, we were talking in the 9 o'clock hour off the air a little bit. We'll bring this up with Dave St. Peter. But during the week, friends of mine uh, – and when I, I spoke down in Rochester, people wanted to talk about the Twins. They all want to make Twins deals, and they all want to you know, make deals to get rid of guys as if nobody else in the league sees the faults that, that yeah. we see with them. It's so easy to be a general manager without really realizing the depth they have to go into and the, the two parties that have to come together yeah. to make a deal. Yeah, because we were talking about you know, there are people that will say, Rosario is an asset that you could so deal him for a frontline pitcher. Okay, tell me what frontline pitcher you're going to give up for Rosario. You can find Eddie Rosario is a great player, but but it's easier to find an Eddie Rosario than it is to find a really good top line pitcher. I think they'll go after Baumgartner eventually. And I talked to somebody inside the Twins last week, and they said, "Well, I think they say is don't expect anything early here in free agency. It's going to be a while before we get something done." And I still think that conversation with Falvey last week. There may well be a, a trade before there is a, a deal. Free agent deals and pitchers have not been particularly good in baseball history. Interesting thing happened during the week with the White Sox, though. Abreu, along with uh, Odorizzi, are the two guys who took the, the mandated yeah. 17 and they did a three-year deal. Well, right after they, right they after. signed. You wonder if there, a deal might be forthcoming with Odorizzi, yeah. which didn't occur to me until the White Sox announced a deal with Abreu. Yep, and that, and that was the one. And, and I, Part of it was Odorizzi going, hey, I saw what happened to Keiko. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, let's get this done. And I would think the twins might have said, "Hey, let's get this in play, and then we'll talk." That's a pretty good way to do it. Maybe that's the new trend in baseball. Yeah. So shame on us for for missing it. I do want to get to a text message. I'm delinquent in getting to it. Somebody got to us right away. We asked if the what the line was, if there was a line yet on Minnesota and Wisconsin. This person said, "No line yet. Line will be announced this afternoon or early evening." So, Sid, uh, if you want to participate, put your headsets on there. Put your, we're on right now. Okay. We're on the air. Okay, what was your question? Go ahead. Dave St. Peter? No, he's coming on at 1130. Dave St. Peter will be with us in seven minutes. Yeah. Not now, we're just talking to each other for right now. Yeah. What, what do you What do you want to add to the, uh, as you look at the sport, we haven't got your opinion on the Timberwolves yet. What do you think of the Timberwolves this season? Well, it's not very good right now. I'll tell you that. The three guys they lost, Rose especially, Especially, and three guys they lost has killed them. You know, and you're going to love this. Zach Levine made 13 three pointers yesterday for Chicago after taking a shot at his coach. He made 13 three pointers, the second most in NBA history. And you know, I, we, I call him Levine, you call him Levine, but that's the one that really bothers you back a couple years ago. That has killed them. If they never made it with Butler, They'd be so much better off with Levine, with that draft choice, and another kid. And that deal was the end of of that team. If I do the math, he got 49 points in in that game on the 13 threes and a couple of things, hours after he took a shot at his coach. Yes, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Yeah, It's like Stephon Diggs, man. Hey, I'll miss practice, and I'm going to tell you, you better start throwing the ball. Guess what? They've been throwing the ball since Savon takes mispractice. That was 200000 well spent <laughs> yes. uh, on his part. Uh, Mike, what, what's the latest on uh, getting Thielen back? 
Uh, I think he'll be back uh, next Monday. I mentioned he was at the Timberwolves game yesterday. Yeah. I didn't talk to him. He was just sitting a little ways away. Uh, but I think that they, uh, I think the, the, the Twins, or the, excuse me, the Twins, the Vikings, uh, you know, they hedged their bet uh, against uh, uh, Denver and said, if we can win this one without him, that gives us two weeks and a day uh, extra. And uh, obviously when he came back against Kansas City there, he wasn't quite ready. Uh, but I would be surprised if he doesn't play against Seattle uh, a week from uh, tomorrow. Well, that, that would change the face of that team. I mean, yeah. they would be so strong, a wide receiver, with, with what they've developed in his absence plus him. You know, the, and, and I was there last year in Seattle covering that game. That's the loudest stadium that I've ever been yeah. a part of. I couldn't hear trying to do my live shot out there as it got close to the season, to the game. But uh, Russell Wilson, this you know, you always remember, and he, he is one of the, he's a game-changing quarterback that can control the game. But remember when he came in and played against the Gophers a few, you know, he had that one year with yeah. Fifth year senior. Yeah. But remember how good he was? Well, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of Russell Wilson. He was just on TV popping three-pointers. Yeah. Is there nothing he can't do? You probably know this, but they had him at a baseball game out there for yep. Seattle, and he threw the, the pitch. Now, I don't know if it was prearranged or a joke, but he threw the pitch to home plate, and they put up 100 yeah. on, the, on the speed of the pitch. He was a good baseball player. He's such a good yeah, athlete. Yeah, signed, a, and, and he changed the way. Everybody started going for that fifth-year quarterback after that, absolutely. I remember. And, and I signed Scott Studwell earlier this week. We were talking about Pete Carroll, yep. and, he, and he played for Pete, uh, you know, Pete was the defensive backs coach, and he said, just a great coach. And and they'll play him a week from tomorrow. Uh, and I mentioned to you earlier, Pete Carroll, this is really hard to believe, old he's 68 years old. He, to Shocking. me, he's the same Pete Carroll when he showed up here, you know, when he was a 35-year-old Bud Grant. Yeah, he's only 31 years younger than Sid. Yeah. yeah. Sid, go ahead. You want to talk about Seattle and the Vikings a little Yeah, bit? that's what we're talking sure. about. Go ahead. The Vikings have never beat Wilson, he's four and zero or five and zero, and never beat Pete Carroll, and I think it'll be impossible for them. Well, to you could add there. the Gophers because they didn't beat Russell Wilson either. In no, the, and I tell the you, they, they, they did have him beat one cold playoff game. Yeah, <laughs> they had oh. Russell Wilson beat. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. What do you think about the Gopher game? Which one, the Wisconsin game, coming up? Yesterday or Wisconsin game? I think the I think the Gophers can beat Wisconsin. I was in Madison last year and saw how well they played against them. The mystery of that game in Madison last year was in the third quarter when the game was in doubt. Uh, the great uh, Wisconsin running back Taylor was on the bench half the time. I don't understand. Chris, after the game, said he was fine. If I had a weapon like uh, Wilson or like um, Taylor, I would keep him on the field the whole time. Can the Gopher stop him? I don't think so. But I'm not sure that Wisconsin can stop the Gopher passing attack. Yeah, who stops anybody in college football anymore? Look at I the mean, scores. I mean, good offenses just you, you don't stop them. Purdue went up and down the field on Wisconsin for a lot of it. Yeah. You know, uh, Northwestern doesn't have much of an offense, and they put together twenty some points. I mean. In College football, if you got a good offense, it's usually whichever offense is better that day. But, uh, uh, yeah, yesterday watching that Taylor, they, they know. It's going to be real interesting to see what kind of a pep talk and week, what, what, what last year's effect has on Wisconsin this year. Well, you know, Chris is going to be talking about bringing the axe back. And that, oh, and yeah. I would uh, said so we need to make a break for Dave St. Peter, but if you've got something, go ahead. Nope. Okay. Uh, we will take <laughs> That means no. All right. I thought that was a yes signal. All right. We are going to take a break here and come back. Uh, we'll be talking baseball with Twins President Dave St. Peter. You are listening to Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. We're back. Twins Baseball Talk. Who better to go to the team president, Dave St. Peter? Who joins us right now, Sid? Dave St. Peter, what was your reaction to your manager? Being the manager 
of the year? Well, good morning, guys. Um, you know, I think we were really proud of Rocco Baldelli. I uh, thought it was a deserved uh, honor. Um, you know, I think Rocco, from the day he came into our organization, uh, I think set out to build great relationships um, with our players, um, all rooted in trying to kind of put them in the best possible position to have success and really a no-ego guy um, and, and really created an environment, I think, inside of our clubhouse that was unique and, and ultimately provided, uh, I think, a competitive advantage over, over the course of the 2019 season and something that I think can can be a trademark going forward. So feel good about that That for Rocco, feel good about it for our organization. I, I give Derek Falvey and Thad Levine a lot of credit for, for, for not only identifying Rocco, but helping convince him to come to Minnesota because there was a lot of recruiting going on um, last fall to get him to pick the Twins over the other teams that were in pursuit, and I feel good about where that landed. Hey, Dave, in the last segment, we talked a little bit about what may have been an aha moment that we didn't see coming, and that was Abreu getting a three-year deal with the White Sox, a lot made that he and Odorizzi were the only ones who accepted the the deals. But then they turned around and did a three-year deal. I mean, with the Twins, and you're not going to give away policy, but is that something that the Twins might sit down and talk to Odorizzi about? Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're always open to those conversations, Dave. You know, we feel really good about having Jake Odorizzi back with us. Clearly, that was a, uh, that was a bit of good news when he accepted the qualifying offer. But, uh, yeah, I, I expect his, his representation and our guys to have those discussions over the course of the offseason. I think they have – they feel good about where Jake's at. I think they understand that going forward he won't have a draft pick uh, attached to him. So I, I think he's more than willing to go back into the free agent market a year from now. But I know he loves Minnesota, really enjoys uh, being part of this organization with Wes Johnson as our pitching coach. So – I would I, be very surprised if there weren't conversations about that particular scenario. David, it does look like the Major League Baseball is going to move slow again this offseason in terms of uh, free agent and trade deals. Yeah, we'll see. You know, obviously the, the couple moves this last week, I think the Grindall signing in with the White Sox um, is, is interesting. And, and, and I think there's some people that think, Mike, it might be a little bit more swift. The, 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 the reality of it is so many of the players, the top-end guys are, are under the uh, control, so to speak, or represented by Boris Corporation. So they're going to have a huge say, I think, in terms of how the offseason moves. But uh, I I can assure you that we're doing everything we can. We're deep into conversations on multiple fronts, and um, we'll see kind of if if we can get uh, people to move. We'd like to move sooner versus later, and uh, I know other teams share that desire. So uh, it's it's an active market. You just don't see a lot of it on the surface. Have you replaced... Any of those coaches you lost? You know, Sid, our, uh, we have not announced anything yet. We're on the cusp of it, though. We're, we're looking to, I think, identify our, our hitting coach. I'd expect that announcement will come in the, you know, over the course of the next week. Um, at, at the major league level, we, that's the only coach we've lost is James Rouse. And Derek Shelton continues to be in the mix in Pittsburgh. Uh, I know he had another interview with the Pirates this week with their newly named general manager, Ben Charrington. So, We'll see what happens with Shelty. Uh, obviously, uh, we wish him the best if he moves on to Pittsburgh. Hopefully, for us, uh, he'll still be here in Minnesota as our bench coach. Dave, a lot of our listeners are big fans of Twins Fest. Are those dates set yet? Yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, January 24th and 25th, uh, which is a Friday and a Saturday. And uh, it's a two-day event this year. We're going to try something new and try to try to maximize uh, all of our efforts into two days over a Friday night and an all-day on Saturday, the 24th and the 25th. And 
Uh, those tickets will be on sale here shortly with all the proceeds benefiting the Twins Community Fund. Well, that's not good. We're going to have to book guests then on the 25th. We always counted on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three stunned looks fest. sitting yeah. around the table here. <laughs> yeah, well, we figured you guys would, would, would have no problem getting that done. So okay. We'll, we'll hey, no, I, I drove by the stadium yeah. yesterday, Dave, and, I, and maybe this is all the time. Maybe it was just the angle that I caught it from. But on the big screen there, they were playing highlights from the season. Does that loop and go all the time? <laughs> Well, I think we were doing. I think we were hosting an event the other night oh, for, okay. for some of our season ticket holders. So, uh, I think that uh, we we try to make use of that technology when we can to try to showcase those things. How about some of the uh, stadium stuff you've done? Anything started? Yeah, uh, yes. You know, we're always looking to make Target Field better. Um, you know, we're we're, we're going through a, a process right now around a number of our concessions areas. We're uh, expected to install a new Wi-Fi network in the ballpark, which is more kind of back-of-house technology, which is, which I think is going to be great. Uh, we're doing a renovation of a number of things in our suite level. Um, and then we're also going to be going through a, it's a pretty significant effort over uh, winterization of the building. Again, some things behind the scenes are going to create greater experiences for a lot of our employees uh, working concessions and stuff in, in the months of March, April, ultimately, hopefully October but also going to give us some greater flexibility on hosting winter events in the future. So those are some of the things on our on our agenda here over the off season, and then we're, we're looking ahead towards uh, new scoreboards and video control rooms and things like that in the next couple of years. Dave King, Peter, I want to get together with you again. So for bringing on the show, thanks for appearing. We'll get your murder certificate. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a great day. All right, Dave St. Peter, take a break. Come back with Glenn Mason right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. And now the end is near. All right, part of the show I always look forward to a chance to talk to Glenn Mason, who sees... Such an, has such an interesting look at Big Ten football. Glenn, we're obviously going to talk 90% of the time about Gophers versus Wisconsin coming up. Are we overlooking Ohio State's journey to Michigan? That's a whole new Michigan team. Well, I, I think that's a, a great uh, observation there, Dave, and you're right. I tell you, ever since halftime of the Penn State game for Michigan, this Michigan team has been on a roll. They're back to being playing great defense. Their offense has had a resurgence, mainly because of Shea Patterson, the way that he's playing. And, uh, you know, history sometimes repeats itself. I think back to 1969, where everybody viewed Michigan, both Schembecker's first year as a good football team, not a great football team. And we at Ohio State were undefeated. And we, everybody in the world, thought we were unbeatable. And we went up to... Ann Arbor, Michigan, and got beat 24-12. to 12. So that's why you play the game. What was that? Go ahead, Sid. Your turn for a question. What's the question? No, you go You go ahead and ask one. You get to have it. Yep. Huh? Oh, I got a yep. Glenn Mason, now, do you think the Gophers can now beat Wisconsin? Oh, absolutely, Sid. Uh, everybody was asking me that uh in the Big Ten Network studio last night. And I, you know, I, my, as Dave Mona talks about, one thing I get to do now being a studio guy, I watch these games nonstop. I don't watch one game. I watch them all. And uh, I really think the way that Minnesota's going, the way that they're going, and I've watched Wisconsin 
they got on a, a roll early, and I think the hype was is great. And I think that they are primed for the beating, for Minnesota to keep the axe. Uh, they're not running the ball consistently like they like to run it. Sure, they, they ran for over 400 yards against Purdue, but they do that just about every year. Uh, and then their defense that seems to be so rock solid, they got a lot of holes there. And I think that they'll really, as long as the offensive line can protect for Tanner Morgan, I really think that they'll struggle defending the pass against the Gophers. What about the Wisconsin offensive line? At the start of the season, Sports Illustrated had a big layout of that, that they have the best offensive that was a, line. That was a year, that was a year ago. ago, yeah. That that was a year ago, and they were wrong a year ago, and I'm not sure what's going on right right now with them, but uh, uh, I can just tell you that, uh, you know, when you look at you always have to stop Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin's running attack. We know that. And Jonathan Taylor is just a tremendous back. You can't get all those yards without that. He's having trouble holding on to the football uh, right now. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that Wisconsin's not a good football team. Heck, they beat Purdue 45 uh, to 24, and they turned the ball over four times. Uh, but when they had that game really in, in hand and should have been a blowout, uh, they couldn't hold on to the football. So, um, I don't think it's as strong a running team, with the exception of a great running back that they have, that a lot of people are used to seeing out of Wisconsin. Now, I, I was watching that game, the Purdue-Wisconsin game, and I'm thinking, now, what would a coach draw out of this if you're Minnesota? And it just looked to me, Coach, and I want your opinion on this as you watch a game. A, what does a coach watch for when he watches you know, yesterday's Purdue-Wisconsin game? And B, was it just me? or did, Wisconsin's corners looked semi-confused, or at least even there, there were some balls that could have been caught for touchdowns and big games for Purdue that Purdue dropped that wasn't because of their pass defense. Uh, Without a doubt. Now, let's face it. uh, I think that Jeff Brom, uh, the head coach at uh, Purdue, has done a tremendous job. And you take into account um, all the injuries that they've had and the youth that he's playing with. You know, they scored 19 straight touchdowns with freshmen uh, up up until that game. But he really knows what he's doing with the uh, passing attack. And they got a great freshman wide receiver, David Bell. Heck, he had 12 receptions. In that game, you'd think that after a guy got to about eight, you'd say, hey, we got to take him away. Well, he had 12 receptions, but I would agree with you. There was a, a number of times that that uh, you would say that if Purdue would have been a little bit better, there was big gains in the passing attack. Well, what makes Tanner Morgan so effective? You've, you've watched him a lot. Uh, he is I mean, fairly low expectations came in, couldn't beat out Zach Anikstead. People thought he'd be a good game manager perhaps this year, but he's turned the corner. What makes him as effective as he is? Well, he, he is so accurate. I, I'm, I'm telling you, as I watch him pass, uh, I think about when's the last time I've seen the guy throw a bad pass, you know? It seems like if it doesn't work, it's either because it was the receiver dropped the football, which really doesn't happen that often, or it was really well covered by a, a defensive player, but his balls are on the money. He throws on time. His anticipation of the receivers, which were excellent, uh, are great. And I really think that Kirk Scirocco, uh I think the mark of any coach is when you start developing or crafting the offense that fits your quarterback and what they're doing right now fits that quarterback. And i got to tell you something. You know, uh, I was going to say on the show last night uh, – you know, if you start talking about if you said, okay, who is the all-conference 
quarterback. Yep. It'd be hard to choose against Justin Fields at Ohio State because everything that he's doing, heck, he may end up in New York for as a Heisman Trophy finalist. But I can tell you one thing. I think they might have two categories. If you said, who's the best quarterback, passing quarterback? It'd be Tanner Morgan. Who's the best dual-threat quarterback? Justin Fields. Tanner Morgan's that good. Okay, uh-huh. so on that slant pattern that the Gophers live on, and you, and I, every time I see them completed, I say, well, why doesn't the defense sneak a linebacker in there or something like that? The scouting report has to tell them that. Is that all because that run-pass option freezes yeah, someone? Yeah, You got it, Mike. Easier said than done. And I think a lot of times you start thinking about, and this is what I think is a mark of a good football team. If people know what you're going to do and you still do it, uh, you know you're good. And that run-pass option, and for people who don't understand what it is, is the offensive line, they're assuming it's a run. So when that ball snaps, they're coming off and they're run-blocking. And the quarterback, will, will, it's like an, it's an option. He'll seat the ball with the back, and the guy that he's reading, if he plays the run, they throw the ball. If the guy that's supposed to play the run drops back for the slant, they hand the ball off. Now, I'm oversimplifying, but that's what makes it so tough. About the, what about the Wisconsin passing game against the Gopher passing game? Well, you know, I've always thought that when you look at Wisconsin, and, and not that they're, they're one-dimensional, but, uh, you know, they're going to set up uh, the pass, you know, with the run. And so much of that, you know, comes off of play action. I guess you could say the same thing about, you know, the Gophers. Uh, but, you know, you looked at uh, – them against uh, their most recent game, Purdue, they threw for about 200 yards, but they ran uh, for 400 yards. Uh, they have a real good receiver in Quinten Cephas, a kid that was, you know, he had some problems off the field a year ago, and then he came back this year. But, you know, he had five receptions. They do a good job with getting the ball to their tight end, Jake Ferguson, who happens to be Barry Alvarez's mm-hmm. grandson. Uh, so he comes from, you know, pretty good bloodlines. But, you know, I think as a coaching perspective, and I think Coach Fleck would tell you this, if you're going to be successful and beat, you know, Wisconsin come Saturday, it's not because you defended the pass so well, it's because you defended the run. You know, Glenn, one of the fun things about talking to you is your sense of Big Ten history. And during the week, I've had a number of people come up to me and said, boy, Bateman and Johnson, I've never seen anything like it. And then you, you throw in that uh, Ottman Bell, a three-headed passing attack. But I always have to halt them a little bit and say, you know, I'm not sure that's fair to Ron Johnson and Eric Decker. Um, they weren't together, and it wasn't a two- or three-headed passing attack. But it's hard to take anything away from how good those two guys were. Yeah, you know, they were really good, and and, and and let's be fair to them. I didn't run the same type of passing attack, you know. Uh, we were on the okay. a show last night, and they were talking about this, and I said, oh, wait a minute. I said, this passing attack in Minnesota is far better than any passing attack I'd have, and I'd argue my running attack is better than their running mm-hmm. attack. It's, it's hard to do everything like but you, when you talk about some of the guys that we had, we had some really good receivers. We just didn't throw as many times, but I can tell you, and I said this before, Dave, I remember back in, in August, I made the statement in the Big Ten uh, uh, network office. I said, Minnesota's got as good a receivers in the Big Ten conference or maybe better than anybody. And everybody there was saying, really? really? Are you saying that? <laughs> Have you looked at the guys at Ohio State, that the Michigan and I said, I'm telling you, these guys are good. And I think it's proven outright. 
So the easy answer, people would say, play eight men in the box against uh, Taylor and run. Do they throw the ball well enough that you, if you play eight men, they can kill you? Say that again. I'm not following you. So, so, so conventional wisdom, the fan would say, play eight men in the box against Jonathan Taylor and take him away. If you do that, can Wisconsin kill you with the pass, or how would you, how would you hedge your bet? Well, they they throw the ball well enough. Uh, I think that Jack Cohn, the quarterback, is an accurate quarterback, and if they give him time to throw the ball, you know, if you play eight men in the box, you're, you're singling up those receivers. They got good enough receivers there, and a lot of times if you're worried about giving up the deep one with eight men in the box, you'll play short, short coverage, and they'll give you the gimme throw, and they'll be able to take care of it. But you know what they want to do, uh, and they always do this, and this will be the game plan in the NCAA Gophers, they like to play keep away. Uh, they do. They really play that possession of uh, 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 time uh, factor. They like to run the football. They like to shrink the game. And uh, they like to play field position. You know, one of the things that if uh, the Gopher fans, if you picked up the paper today and you saw their game against, uh, uh, looked at the stats against uh, Northwestern, and say, geez, they, they did real well, but they, the stats aren't that impressive. I'll tell you why. Because of the field position, they played on the short side of the field about the whole day, yeah. And that's because the Northwestern doesn't have a very good kicking game. Good point. Sid, final question. Taylor, two hundred twenty-two yards yesterday. That's tough to stop. Who had two hundred twenty-two yards? Oh, that's Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah I'm going to tell you something. He is. You know, you look at a back like that, and I think he broke the record for the most yards of anybody through three years of of uh, college football, and you look at the names of the people he went by, you know he's really good. He's a track star. He's got tremendous speed. And you carry the ball that many times, that many games, you know he's durable and he's tough. The only knock on him right now, he has trouble holding on to the football, which is which is a big deal. Mason will get you another <laughs> merge, and I – uh, realize uh, yeah, 50-50 yeah. I, I gets that. seen the stamp on the envelope. So yeah, but it's a three-cent stamp that he still got from 68. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Glenn, thanks so much. Always look for it. All right, that's Glenn Mason. I want to thank all of our guests today. Omar Douglas, what a treat it was to talk to him. Gerson Rosas, Bill Guerin, P.J. Fleck, Lindsey Whalen, Brian Lawton, Dave St. Peter, Glenn Mason. Thanks for your phone calls. Do it again next week. Sports Huddle. Sid, Dave, and Mike. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.